Father, we invite you now to minister to us through the power of your word. And we ask you, Lord, that uh, you bring life to these words and that these will not be simply words that I share or speak, but your very words in me and through me, that they would touch lives, transform lives, and impact us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, last week, I encourage you to go to the website and listen to this sermon. I listened to it myself, and I was blessed by what the Lord spoke through it. Uh, hearing it again, I heard some other things that I said that I hadn't realized uh, were true and <laughs> were, were in there. So I encourage you to have a look at the, the Passover timeline. Real quick, we looked at the Passover because the Passover and the resurrection of the Lord came together on the calendar last week. So it was something that God told Israel that it would be an everlasting ordinance, that there was a commandment to do this at all times. And we saw how when Jesus came on that Good Friday, when he died on the cross, he was actually stepping into that history of Israel and now fulfilling what Moses had done in Egypt in the Passover. But we also discovered that that wasn't it. That comes to us in the present, and we talked about how God commanded Israel to do this as a remembrance, something that they would remember, bring back into their heart into their experience so every generation since Moses until today every Jewish family that celebrates the Passover step into that history they go back in time and connect with that as though they were coming out of Egypt and Jesus did that and now when we take communion we reconnect with all of that and we're doing this and Jesus actually said do this in remembrance of me when you eat and drink this bread, remember me in my death. So he's actually highlighting to us that he is, from beginning to end, walking with us. And we saw how in Melchizedek's case, he actually brought bread and wine to Abraham and served him. Go listen to the sermon. You'll be blessed by that portion of the sermon as to how that prepared Abraham for greater things. And we also saw that saw that, that actually happened before the foundation of the earth, the lamb was slain. Why? Because we're coming to the end of the age where everything is going gonna, is gonna to come together and that which was slain, the sacrificed lamb who was slain before the foundation of the, the world is now going to be seated on the throne and serving us at the wedding feast of the lamb. On Friday night, I joined the uh, Friday night small group and in the conversation... We were talking about the sermon and some of the context and how people were blessed by it. And Josh, uh, Joshua, Dawson said something very interesting. He said, so this timeline isn't just the Passover timeline. It's like the Jesus highway. And I thought that was really interesting. It's the highway over time that links eternity past, before the, like, even before the foundation of the world, to eternity future. And it ties it all together and Jesus is the link that keeps the chain going and then I thought about it and I said you know this is actually a flow and it's the flow of a river and it's the river of life we just finished singing about it you are faithful God you are Jesus you're the same you are the same yesterday today and forever and he is that one where the river of life that flows from the throne of God and we're part of that 
City River. We're part of the river. We're not a lake. We're a river. We flow with him. But it also brought to my mind that these are Passover spaces. Spaces. There was a room, no chairs, but it was filled. And the people came and God did something. There was a house, it was prepared, and women that were abused would come, feel safe, and stuff happens. So, you know my favorite book, Genesis. So I'm going to hop through real quick. Vartan, I'm sorry, I'm going to be running through this very fast, so hang with me. Fasten your seatbelt. Okay, Vartan is translating, interpreting today. Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 9. Listen to the words. Let the water under the sky be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. So God separates waters all over, and he makes land appear. He's preparing the place. And then he goes on and says, and it was so, God called the dry land earth. And I'm sorry, I'm looking at things kind of weird here. He called the dry land earth and the waters they were gathered together. He called seas and God saw that it was good. Next couple of verses down. And then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation. Where now? The dry land. On the earth that he had prepared by separating the waters from the land. And now the earth, which he had prepared, is now going to be filled with plants, vegetation, that yield seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with seed in it. Are you noticing something? There's a pattern here. Now, theology is the study of God and God's things. Okay? There is systems of theology. There's a theology called systematic theology. There's a, there's a, 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 a theology that's called covenant theology. There's a bunch of different things that we can look at God through these lenses. There is a spiritual father of mine, Ed Silvoso, Silvoso, speaks of, you ready? Phenomenological theology. Let me say that again. Phenomenological theology. You know what the word phenomena means? Concept or, or a, a, an observational thing. You can see it. So there is a theology that you can take through the Bible by looking at different phenomena and you begin to understand the mind and the heart of God through these lenses. So what I'm looking at today is a, is a lens. It doesn't spell it out like that. It's not like when Paul says, for all have sinned, so we have a theology for sin, and all have been saved by grace, so we have a theology for grace. This is now, you have to see it with an eye. When you see the phenomena repeated over and over and over and over again, you begin to understand that God has a pattern here. He's not just randomly doing these things. So here he, again, he, the earth was created, and now he's filling it. The trees are coming out of the earth, and now he's filling even the trees with fruit. The fruit is there, and he's filling the fruit with seed. 
Are you catching it? Maybe um, this is too, you know, coincidence. Okay. And then it was so, and the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, every kind, and bearing fruit and the seed in it, and saw, God said that was good. And then God said, let there be light, lights in the dome of the sky. So he created this huge space and filled it with all of these sparkling stars. They're not really sparkling little dusts. They're massive heavenly bodies like the sun, like other planets, like other star systems. They are huge, but they are all there to separate the day from the night. So he fills the space that he created. And let the lights of the dome and the sky give light to the earth and it was so. And then now about the water, he said, listen, so maybe there's a pattern here. Maybe there is a concept that is hidden in the book of Genesis that we don't catch unless we dig in and we let the Lord soak in in us and let things come out of it. So he says, let the waters that he now separated earlier in chapter 1 verse 9, let them bring forth swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. Again, a space that he fills. So God created the great sea monsters and the, every living creature that moves and every, of every kind which, with which the water swarms and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God commands them. Careful, listen. God commands them and blesses them. And he says, be to who? To all these birds and these fish and all these animals that are roaming the earth and under the heavens and above the heavens and all over the animal system. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth. So create an environment or a space, fill it and expand it. And God said, let the earth bring forth every living creature of every kind, cattle, creeping things and wild animals. Same thing, birds, fish, now animals that elephants. Rhinos, snakes, you name it, bugs. And God finally says, let us make man, humans, in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. Now, okay, the fish fill the waters, the birds fill the skies, the animals fill the land, and now he creates humanity, you and me, and he gives us a mandate. He commands and he says, let them have dominion in other words let them have authority to manage and represent me on the earth to take charge not to abuse not to destroy not to pollute not to put you know plunder but to have dominion to have authority to, to bring it together for what purpose let them have all of that to have the ability to manage it. And now he tells us how. And he says to mankind, he blessed Adam and Eve. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, you also. I've put something in you. I've created you. I've filled this space up. And I've put you in charge of the space, in the air, in the water, on the land. You are now my representative, but for a purpose. Now go forth and multiply and fill the earth there's a space i created for you now you go fill it 
just like he said to the birds and the fish and everything else, and have dominion. And then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was good. It was actually very good. So, having observed this, you get the concept. So, if I can put it this way, the biblical theology of space, you may never have heard of this preached, but it's true, it's there. Go dig it out on Google, you'll find all kinds of stuff on it. But it's a theology that is taught to seminarians, to seminary students. It's a theology that we miss because we don't make the connection between the value of this theology. What is the practical meaning of this? But today, I hope to answer the question, what's happening with my spiritual life? Why is it up and down? Why do I sometimes feel amazing? Katya just came back from a mission trip. She's on a high. Why do I sometimes feel like I'm in the dumps? Why do I sometimes feel God doesn't hear my voice? Well, here's the answer. So the biblical theology of space is that God first created a space and then filled it. It's as simple as that. There's more and we'll come to it, but it's as simple as that. God functions in this way. He creates a space and he fills it. And you know what? In the field of dreams, in the movie, what did they say? Build it and they will come. There's a truth to that. Okay? Now, where are you, Farima? When you found out you were pregnant, what did you and Farhad do in preparation? You moved houses. You created a space. In that house, what did you do? Was there a special room? What was it called? Valentina's room. And what did you do in that room? You made it specifically for her. You got a crib. You got a change table. You got all kinds of things. And you prepared the space so that when she is born, she can fill it. And then guess what? We now give authority to our children to continue doing the same by having their space and filling it. So as she grows older, she's going to have some favorite posters maybe, she's going to put up, she's going to have some favorite toys, some favorite magazines, all of that. And that's why some parents love to tell their children, something, something, your room. Clean up your room. Right? How many times have you said that to your kids? It's the same concept. It's exactly the same concept. God created a space. He put you in it. You've created a space. You put your children in it. You tell them, go forth and multiply and fill the space and rule over it. You have dominion. Make sure your closet is clean. Make sure your carpets are, carpet, uh, are vacuumed. Make sure your windows are clean. Now, you do all of that. But at one point, they grow up and they have to start taking ownership. And then eventually, they move out of the house and set up their own new nest. And they start doing the same thing in that. Eventually, you hope they move out and they set up and do all of that, right? Okay, you just came back from Saskatchewan. What did you do over there, Zore? You're looking for your son's housing. So you found this place. They opened their heart to you. They said, hey, listen, when you come back to bring the stuff, don't find a hotel. Come in this space. We've prepared it for you. Come and stay with us. Bring the furniture, bring the clothing, and come and stay with us. Now, you're going to put your son there. 
and you're going to provide that. The same theology is part of our nature. We just don't see it because we're so adjusted to it and so accustomed to it. But that's how God works. God creates a space and fills it. The Bible says that heaven declares the glory of God. Where he dwells, his room, if you will, his house, declares his glory, his bigness, his amazingness. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. That's his home. He fills it. He filled it before creation. And now he created everything else and wants to fill it with his creation. But not just that. He says that heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? You built a room for Valentina. You found a room for your son. All of us have prepared a house that we live in so that we can have our family, we can grow, we can do these things. But God is asking the same question. Now, I've created you in my image. Where is the house that you will build for me to dwell in among you? Where is that house? Where is my resting place? Where is it? So God not only first created a space and filled it, but God put humanity and gave us the same mandate. We saw it now as human parents, but he has something bigger in mind. He has something bigger than just our kids and ourselves, where we prepare and tidy the room and make it look pretty, put flowers, put plants, do all of those nice things decorated for Christmas, take it all down in January. That's kind of insane when you think about it. But we do these things because we want the house to express something. God gave mankind, humanity, the same mandate. So in, in Hebrews, we read these words. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and rewards those who earnestly seek him. Ah, okay. So just like us, our kids, we want them to seek us. How many of you get excited when you come home after a day out and your kids come running to the door to say hi? I struggled with that when I was a young father. I would come home exhausted and the kids would come running to the door and I would tell Silva, give me a minute to come into the house. If you've been to our home, because it, there's a few steps to come up the stairs, and by the time I get up to the stairs, they're already coming down, running towards me at, at the front door, and I just couldn't deal with that. I've asked forgiveness of the Lord, and I've asked forgiveness of Silva and of them, but that's the kind of environment that we all long for. And now I welcome that. It's kind of too late. My kids have grown up. Now I have the opportunity with my grandkids. So when Ari comes home to stay with us in the weekdays, he comes running to my bed. If I'm asleep, he shows up at 7.15 or 7.30. Sometimes I'm awake and I'm in my office and he comes and he opens the door and he looks inside. Are you at the, sitting at the desk? Yeah, okay. And he shuts the door. I say, wait, 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 come back here. And I want him to come and give me a hug. I want him to seek me. I want him to find me. God says, come near to me. Come near to God and he will come near to you. So when Ari opens the door, my reaction is to drop whatever I'm doing 
If I'm on a Zoom call, I click my camera off, mute my mic, and run out to the door and grab them. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. And Jeremiah, he says, you will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Paul reminds us about something else. He says, your bodies are temples. Some temples are prettier than others. There's no question. Some of your temples are much prettier than mine. Okay? Mine has lost a little bit of the uh, roofing. The shingles have been flying off. And it's sort of sagging around the middle. But there are houses that are nice and strong and built firm and, and solid. But that's not the temple we're talking about. We're talking about some other temple. There's a temple inside here, like you were saying, Thomas. There's a temple here that he says, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. So God not only first created the space and filled it, not only gave humanity the same mandate, but now he wants each of us to individually create a space for him to fill. There's a vacuum. Billy Graham used to talk about a God-shaped vacuum in every person's heart. There's a special room that we have been built in our DNA from our parents, we receive it. There's a special space in our bodies, not a physical space. Maybe it's physical even, they haven't found it. But there is a space inside us that is shaped like a glove to fit God like a hand in the glove. And that space is precious. That space is something you and I need to work on to cultivate and prepare and make sure it's clean before the baby's born. Imagine the baby is born and the room is in absolute shambles. Boxes everywhere. Nothing has been built. The, bed, the crib is not built. It's there in the box. We bought it. But it hasn't been built. There's garbage because we cleaned up the rest of the house and put the garbage in this empty room. You never know when the baby's going to come. Really. Unless it's a planned C-section. But even then, sometimes there's emergency C-sections. You never know. Now, not only is he looking to do this personally, but he's also doing this corporately. In Israel, when they built the tabernacle, they built this tent. And this tent, after it was finished, on the first day of the year, remember Passover was on the 14th of the first month. Now, this is on the first of the first month on the second year. All of a sudden, the glory of God, the cloud, covered the entire tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled it. And God says in Isaiah, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I've taken you by the hand and kept you. I've given you as a covenant to the people. Now watch this, man. This is what I've been sharing with you for the last number of weeks about the failure of Israel and ultimately our own failure. When we think that all of this, the space that we create personally for him to come and to dwell in me is all about me. And we sing the song, it's all about me, Jesus. No, it's all about him. But when we think personally only, we miss the point. Look what he's telling Israel in Isaiah's time. Can you see it? 
I have given you as a covenant to the people. As a light to who? To yourselves. As a light to the nations. Israel was meant to be a space where God dwells corporately so that their light changes the atmosphere around them and makes that house ready for the abused women to come and to dwell in and to interact with and to experience the glory of God. And he actually says, to open the eyes of the blind. Sound familiar? Luke 4. To bring the prisoners out of the dungeon. Pharaoh, people of Israel in Egypt, under Pharaoh they were the prison, from the prison those who sit in darkness. They, Israel, was meant to be the makers and the fulfillers of Genesis 1.26, go forth and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it in a different way. They were supposed to impact the nations. And that's our mandate as the church. We are supposed to do exactly that. So we see now with this phenomena that we're sort of tracking along in scripture that God not only first created space and filled it, not only gave that same mandate to humanity, not only wants to, us having the opportunity to create a space for him to dwell in us, but also has given us humans the mandate of creating a corporate space that he may inhabit. That's why we come to church together. That's why we go out of here to be the church in the community. That's why she, when she realized that, hey, I'm on mission no matter where I am, whether I'm in Greece or here in a Greek restaurant, it doesn't matter where I am. I am exactly that, a light to the nations, to be the instrument of God, to release the glory of God and release it so that it can touch people. There was a time in history when Israel had come out of Egypt and they were so frustrated with God because they didn't see the expectations that they had. And God was really angry with them because they were rebellious. So he was going to destroy Israel. After they came out of Egypt by his own strength, he was going to destroy them because their heart was so hard. So Moses steps into that place of prayer. We've been praying for Iranians all over the world. And God is answering that prayer locally with some of you and your families and your friends and also some people in Greece. Amazing. So Paul, uh, so Moses starts praying to God and he says to him, what are the people going to say? You saved them out of Egypt to bring them to the wilderness to kill them? Have mercy on them. Forgive them. So the Lord replies and says, yes, I will forgive them. Nevertheless, as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with with the glory of God. Now, pause for a minute. He created all this creation, the space above the heavens, the space below the heavens, the earth with the separated waters, the land, everything that he did. The heavens declare the glory of God, but the earth, the earth, the earth still doesn't declare the glory of God. We see murder, we see rape, we see wars, we see all kinds of stuff. It doesn't declare the glory of God. But he says, as I live and as the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. There's a promise there. And Jesus puts it this way. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. No, he didn't put it in those words. 
He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations so that every nation can now be filled with the glory of God. Not only your community, your church, your people, your house, your life, your heart, your body, your temple, but go big. Go to nations. Make these nations shift. Make the atmosphere in these nations shift so that the people of those nations become glory-filled. And just before he was taken up to heaven, he tells them these words. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. We've read this how many times, Matthew 28? We have it on our letterhead at one point. But look at it. What is it talking about? We talk about it so often and we focus on witnesses. But he's talking about space. He's talking about witnesses in a physical location, in a space that needs witness. In a space, just like what he said to Israel, you'll be a light to the nations. A space and in a community that requires the light. First in Jerusalem, and in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you know what the angels are doing in heaven as they're watching all of this unfold. As John is taken up, we, we hear him saying what he what Isaiah had prophesied many, many hundreds of years ago. John, the disciple of Jesus, was caught up into heaven and he saw a glimpse of this. And he saw and he quotes, he, he quotes what the angels are singing. But Isaiah saw it before that. And Isaiah puts it this way. One angel cried to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. You know, hosts really talks about armies. But I can't help but think that the English word for hosts also talks about the people that are the managers of a specific place, a space. And they host people in that space. He's the king of kings, so I guess he could be the lord of hosts. And you and I are hosts. Hosts to our environment, hosts to our heart, hosts to invite Jesus into our heart, hosts to invite people. I know I'm playing with words, but hang with me. There's a concept here. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Make disciples of all nations. Go forth and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Hmm. So we see not only did God create space and fill it. Not only did he give the mandate to humanity to be the same kind of space makers and fillers. But he gives us individually the call to provide a home for him to dwell in, corporately to create a space for him to fill here at church, in our homes, but ultimately so that we can see the glory of God fill the earth. Now, I told you that this sermon is going to address the challenge and the question of what happens in my life when one day I'm high, one day I'm low. When we looked at the Passover, the blood went on the doorposts and inside that place was the family that was safe. In Athens, there was a room, it was empty, but it was filled with people and there was encounter. There was a house 
that was set aside and there was people that were escaping abuse and coming and dwelling in it. And they were feeling safe. And they're now beginning to open their wings and feel who they are. You open your heart to the Lord and he comes in. You put the doorposts of your mouth, your eyes, your ears, your whole body, the blood of Christ. The answer is the stewardship of the space that you have been entrusted with. Whatever space you've been entrusted with, the leadership of this church has been entrusted with this corporate space. We labor to make sure that this is a safe space where you can encounter God. But in your own personal journey, what you need to do, what you're responsible to do, is cultivate the environment of your space. Make sure that just like Valentina's room is clean, there's no garbage in that place. You can't clean some of the garbage out. You have to ask him to come in and vacuum it out. He applies a little bit of, you know, what, what's that spray? End dust? His blood is that spiritual end dust. His blood is what you need to apply in your life. How do you do that? Through worship, through prayer, through opening up the word, through come near to me and I will come near to you. So when you're feeling down in the dumps, don't wait week after week to come on Sunday and get your B12 shot of spirituality. Do it at home on your own. Do it in cell group. Connect with others. Call somebody up and hey, say, listen, I'm sorry, but I'm feeling kind of down right now. Can you just pray with me? Open up your heart to the presence of God so that in that interaction, there is something that can pull you back up. And you know, I talked about remembering all of these things that we look at that timeline. They're all markers that when we remember, we step back into that experience. So I don't know if you journal or not, but if you have a moment and you can recognize, I shared with you about the coffee back home when I was a little kid, the coffee shop, the coffee roaster, and what that would bring up in me. Go back to the sermon and listen to it. But in that moment, I can tell you moments in my life where I had an encounter experience with God. I can tell you the room. I can tell you what the room smelt like. I can tell you who was there. I can even tell you the temperature because those were marking moments in my life. So when you're feeling distant, ask the computer in there to remind you of some of those moments that you have experienced God in a deep way. It could be, Adam, and who else was there? It could be a moment that changed your life. It could be a moment that was just so small that just shifted the course of your life by half a degree and your life changed. But those moments are markers, just like these are, oops. Just as these are markers along the timeline of human and world history, there are markers in your life that you can go back to and reactivate the memory and not only reactivate it by dreaming about it, but it becomes your experience in the moment. 
So let me ask you to stand with me now. And we'll pray. We'll pray that the Lord stirs up the memories inside of you that have carried you to this point. You may be in despair right now about a situation that you're facing that you don't know how to overcome. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. You may be under heavy temptation. Draw near to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. But the key is draw, draw near to God. Draw near to God. Open up that space for him to come in. If you've never done that before, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day where you open up your heart and say, come in. Fill me. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your dreams. Fill me with your hope. Clean up my room. I can't clean it up inside of me. But I need you. I need you. You may have done already that and you have grown cold. You become a professional Christian where you can speak all the verses, quote all the stories, know all the answers, but you're grown cold in your love for the Lord. The Lord is drawing you back today. He says, I don't want just an expert. I want a friend. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to draw you near. Come to me. Let's walk together. Bring me your problems. Bring me your burdens. Let me carry them with you. Heavenly Father, your word is so rich. Your word is so true. As you look at us here, Lord, we pray that the space that we have come together to create for you to come in and to fill us has been pleasing to you. Lord, I pray that each of us, as we create that individual space, or we hand it over to you because we really don't create it. You've built us with it. But as we bring it to you and say, Lord, come and dwell in this. Come and dwell in me. I pray, Lord, that you shift things around in our lives today to align us to bring us into that place where we can be carriers of your glory so wherever we go wherever our foot sets yeah you've given it to us you've given it to us not to have possession or this or that but for us to take your glory to it forgive us for misunderstanding these things Forgiving us, forgive us for thinking it's about us and align us with your purpose that we can fulfill your dreams of having the earth filled with your glory to set the blind eyes open to set the prisoners free the oppressed released Father make us instruments in your hands that carry your glory and multiply it everywhere we go we thank you, Lord, and we bless you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.